Okay, well, let's start. Good morning, everyone. Um, wish you all happy Chinese and Lunar New Year, happy Valentine's Day, and happy President's Day weekend. So today's message is like your heavenly father. And the passage is from Matthew 5, 38 to 48. Let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks that you can get us here this morning to worship and to listen to your word. Uh, we just acknowledge that all good things come from you. Uh, everything that we need, uh, you provide. And we just come to you today for your uh, wisdom, uh, for also um, crying for uh, your justice uh, and uh, also your mercy as well. And help us through this message to. Uh, be more like you, Lord, and um, just thank you, Lord, for you are the one working in our hearts, and we pray this, you know, the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So on this Valentine's Day, we're reminded of the greatest love shown by our Heavenly Father, who sent his beloved, only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to the world for us. And also the greatest love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us, calling us his friend. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Now God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit so that we can be like our Heavenly Father to love those around us, especially those who are hard to love. Amen. You may have read today's verses before or are familiar with these verses. However, the question is, how can we apply these verses in our daily lives? Is Jesus saying that God's people should never oppose an evil person? Should God's people always take attacks gladly and not resist at all? Should God's people never speak up for themselves? when being sued and gladly give in to whatever their opponent's desires? Should God's people always be glad when they're being taken advantage of? Should God's people give whatever people ask of them and lend money every time people make a request? The key to these verses is summarized in verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And there's also a parallel passage in Luke 6, 27 to 36, where it recorded similar teachings of Jesus. In that passage, the whole point is how to love your enemy. The key verse in Luke 6, 36 is, be merciful just as your father is merciful. The point Jesus is teaching us is how we should be like the Heavenly Father. We are to be like the Heavenly Father because we have been born spiritually into God's family. So we can share in the character of the Heavenly Father. So then what does it mean to be like the Heavenly Father? First of all, Jesus is the only one who fulfilled all the Old Testament laws by perfectly obeying the law and paying the full penalty of the law as the substitute for sinners. And we as sinners, are justified and made, being made 
righteous through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we don't follow these commandments of Jesus to become children of God. We follow them because we are the children of God. And um, I just want to uh, say that once again. So Jesus is the only one who fulfilled all the Old Testament laws. And we are sinners justified and made righteous through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so since we are the children of God, so we want to be like our Father in heaven. Amen? Um, so today we will be looking at three things that Jesus is teaching us to be like our Father in heaven. So one is to turn the other cheek, two is to go the extra mile, and three is to be generous and good to all. First point is turn the other cheek from Matthew 5, 38 to 40. So first, in Matthew 5, 38, it says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. First, we need to understand that the Old Testament law of an eye for eye is to make sure that the punishment fits the crime. These Old Testament verses are saying the punishment must not be more than the law suffered. And the punishment must not be less than the harm done. And the Old Testament law of an eye for eye is also, deter, is also to deter people from evil. Let's read here in Deuteronomy 19, 16 to 21. He says, if a malicious witness takes the stand to accuse someone of a crime, the two people involved in the dispute must stay in the presence of the Lord before the priest and the judges who are in office at the time. The judges must make a thorough investigation. And if the witness proves to be a liar, giving false testimony against a fellow Israelite, then do to the false witness as that witness intended to do to the other party. You must purge the evil from among you. The rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid. And never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So it's important to realize that the Old Testament law of an eye for eye is to serve public justice. So what here Jesus is saying in Matthew 5 is not to take this law for public justice and use it for personal revenge. Matthew 5.39 says, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. What does it mean to strike a person on the right cheek? So if you imagine a right-handed person, if he does it, then he would need to slap using the backhand on the other person's right cheek. Otherwise, they uh, would not be able to, I uh, guess, slap on the right cheek. So this the backhanded slap, the, the, the word strike here means a sharp slap. And it can be painful, it can be humiliating. So this backhanded slap can be painful and humiliating. So what does it mean to turn the other cheek? Jesus is teaching us not to retaliate 
by turning by taking matters into our own hands, but to leave it to God. As Jesus' disciples, we can endure insults as we seek to obey the Lord. When our identity is secure in the Lord, we can gladly take insults for the sake of Christ. And Jesus sets the example for us by being mocked and beaten on the way to the cross. And 700 years earlier, Isaiah had prophesied that the Messiah would turn the other cheek. We see here in Isaiah 56, he says, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. So here we see Jesus really turning the other cheek. And later on, the apostles rejoiced after they were flogged for preaching Christ because they considered it such an honor. Let's look at Acts 5.41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. It's important that we don't apply these verses to the government because they have a different role. God has instituted the government to maintain justice and order in the society. Romans 13, 4 tells us, For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So to turn the other cheek means that we will not personally retaliate, but leave the vengeance to the Lord. Romans 12, 19 to 21 tells us, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave Room for God's wrath, for it's written, is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. By being merciful to people who may not like us, we can overcome evil with good and their hearts may be softened by our kind acts. To heap burning coals on his head means the person will be brought to shame and repentance by your kindness and turn from their sins. This reminds me of a story in 2 Kings chapter 6. One time the king of Aaron who is, which is in modern-day Syria, sent a large army to capture Elijah because Elijah was helping the king of Israel in his war with, with Aaron, with the king of Aaron, by telling, them what, by telling him what the army of Aaron was planning to do. So they were um, not very successful in the war. However, God was protecting Elijah and his servant, with a large angelic army all around it. So let's just pick up the story from 2 Kings 6, 18 to 21. He says, as the enemy came down toward him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. 
Elijah told him, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. So Samaria is the capital of uh, the uh, Northern Kingdom of Israel at the time. After they entered the city, Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, should I kill them, my father? Should I kill them? You see, the army of Aaron was sitting back there, powerless, trapped at the mercy of the king of Israel. And the king of Israel was so eager and ready to go in for the kill. Now, this reminds me of playing tennis as well. Um, standing there near the net, and uh, then the other side hit this really high and, and soft block right toward me, and I'm there ready to slam down the ball with my racket. So let's see what Elijah says to the king of Israel. Do not kill them, he answered. This is in verse 22. Will you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their masters. Verse 23. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. What a beautiful story that we just read here to see how kindness to your enemy brings an end to hostility. Amen. So what does it mean to turn the other cheek? It means you're still good to those who are not good to you. You continue to be good to them, even though they may not have repented of their sins. Christ came to the earth to save the very people who rejected and killed him. Will we refuse to help our enemies when they're in trouble because they have hurt us or others? Now, I want to make clear that today's message is not about self-defense or what to do when there's a crime. For self-defense, do what you have been taught and trained to do. When there's a crime, do what the law tells you to do. So, what we're talking about to turn the other cheek is about not seeking personal revenge. Now the workplace or the business world can be a very competitive environment where people may backstab each other. And it takes a lot of faith to be good to those who may want to get ahead in their career at your expense. And that's where we need to learn how to turn the other cheek. Are we willing to be good to others even though we know they might or they may take advantage of us. Do we help them when they need our help? Now, I don't mean that we should not be wise in dealing with people. And that's why we need to always pray, right? Pray for God's wisdom. Pray for God's wisdom so that we can live out these com commands from God in our workplace, in business, in school, in our family. And and it, maybe even in church. 
I was on trip to Israel in 2019 when I was going up the Via della Rosa um, in Jerusalem. And this is the road for Christian pilgrims to walk where Jesus walked on his way to be crucified or um, what they thought um, Jesus have, may have walked on his way to be crucified. And um, so I was helping to be a translator for the uh, tour guide, uh, of, uh, the Jewish uh, tour guide at the time. So from my previous trip to Israel in 2018, I knew that there were places, um, uh, so uh, actually I was translating from English to Chinese, not, not from uh, some other language. Um, so from my previous trip to Israel in 2018, I knew that there were places in the Via Dolorosa where the past gets very congested. And then there were people selling things on both sides. There's uh, uh, these uh, shops, uh, vendors uh, on both sides. And, uh, uh, and, and it's in that, at that uh, place, there will be maybe pickpockets lurking the crowds. And so you need to be very careful so the entire, but to be safe, the entire way on the Via de Rosa, I just keep telling everyone, uh, do the wireless uh, tra transmitter. I said, watch your wallet and purse, watch your wallet and purse. And uh, next morning, a brother shared how on the Via de Rosa, he really, uh, God really reminded him not to focus on the things of the world. So I was immediately convicted because I realized is it more important to focus on the spiritual meaning of the Via de la Rosa where Jesus willingly lost everything, his dignity, his health, his clothes, his life for our sake, or to make sure that we don't lose anything along the way. And it makes me think how much of our energy is spent on protecting our possessions instead of focusing on things that have eternal value. And of course, um, I, I, I should uh, also uh, say that uh, to warn you that when you travel overseas, be careful not to lose your passport, uh, be careful not to lose your cell phone, those are important things uh, as well. But to, when we learn to turn the other cheek, we're truly free to do good to others regardless of how they treat us. Amen. We can truly exhibit the character of the Heavenly Father who is kind to the evil and the good, as the verse tells us, the righteous and the unrighteous. Amen. So our ultimate goal is that all people will come to know the love of God. Amen. Whoever is our enemy can later become our friend and our brother and sister in Christ. So we need to keep the eternal perspective when dealing with people. Even if you don't see this now, pray for it to happen in the future, that people will turn from their sin to the Lord. Amen? Number two is to go the extra mile, Matthew 5.41. Matthew 5.41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. What does it mean to be forced to go one mile? Well, the Roman government at the time can force anyone into its service to carry a load as far as one mile. And this actually happened to Simon of Cyrene in Matthew 27, 32. He says, as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. Wow. 
Simon of Cyrene may not have realized how honored he was to carry the cross of Jesus. You may think something that happened to you is unlucky or unfair, but with God, it can be a blessing. These pictures are from a church on the Via Della Rosa, um, one showing the Simon of Cyrene carrying the cross of Jesus and the other Jesus carrying the cross. So what does it mean to go the extra mile? It means you don't just do what is expected, but you do more than what is expected. You don't just forgive someone, but you do something to bless that person. I remember a coworker who was very proud and one time he came to my queue, yelled at me, slammed his hand on my cube wall. So I could report him to HR for this bad behavior, but I let it go. However, I still say hi to him when he walked by. One time he walked by and I said hi to him. And he was looking around to see who I say hi to. And, and uh, he just could not, um, he was uh, surprised that I, 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 I would say hi to him. He said, you say hi to me? <laughs> like, yeah, I said hi to you. Um, uh, knowing the way that he had treated me. Um, so later on, when he was leaving the company, I had a chance to talk with him and wish him well. So in the end, he became like a friend to me, not an enemy. Going the extra mile means we don't just do the minimum required, but we do more than the requirement. If you just do what is expected, what impact will you make? At work, we may have these yearly evaluations, and maybe your evaluation form have these levels. Uh, the lowest being not to meet expectation, and then meets expectation, and then um, exceeds expectation, and the highest is far exceeds expectation. Well, I think God wants us to hit that mark of far exceeds expectation, because we know from Ephesians 3.20 that he is a far exceeds expectation God, amen? God can help us far exceed expectation because he's our God. And our God is a God who far exceeds what we can hope for or imagine. He accomplishes infinitely more than what we may ask or think. Amen? And number three is to be generous and good to all. Matthew 5, 42 to 47. Matthew 5, 42. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. What does it mean to be generous to all? It means you think twice before saying no when someone asks you to help. Instead of thinking of the reason why you can't help them, you first try to think of some way to help them. When someone comes to you asking for help, don't just focus on the things that they're asking. Think about what do they really need? Maybe they're just asking for money, but then you found out that something happened in their life. Maybe they lost a loved one. So how can you help them both financially and emotionally? Maybe if you let them help you with some task, it can not only benefit you, but also benefit the other person uh, to feel better. When I visited Jordan as part of my trip to Israel, there was a young man who wanted to earn some money. So he was trying to show me how to use my iPhone to take a panoramic picture. Um, I did not ask for his help or felt that he helped me, uh, but I still gave him a dollar, US dollar, because he wanted the money. 
Otherwise, he would have felt cheated. So we can be generous because our God is generous to us. Amen. So what does it mean to be good to all? Do we care about those who may not even care about us? Jesus set the example for us to die for us while we're still sinners. As Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There were many people who helped rescue Jews during World War II, even though the Jews were despised and considered a threat at the time by uh, some of those uh, governments. Um, so we see here that uh, Oscar Schindler spent his entire fortune on bribes and black market purchases of supplies to save his Jewish workers. We see Irena Sandler, who is a Polish nurse, smuggled Jewish children out of the Warsaw ghetto. And there was Chiuni Sugihara, who was a Japanese consul general in Lithuania who worked day and night to issue visas to Jews so that they can escape. And it has been estimated as many as 100,000 people alive today who are descendants of the recipients of Sugihara visas. And then there's Casper Betsy and Corey Tambun of Holland who hid Jews in their home and was arrested and sent to the concentration camp. Uh, themselves and also um, the father Casper died very shortly after uh, his arrest and then Betsy died in the uh, concentration in the prison and uh, Corey was the only one who survived and who wrote the, the book The Hiding Place. Uh, we see here Raul Wallenberg. He was a Jewish diplomat and he saved tens of thousands of Jewish lives in Hungary. And then there was Paul Fan Shen, who is the Chinese consul general in Vienna, who saved perhaps tens of thousands of Jews by issuing them visas to Shanghai. And today in uh, those places in Shanghai, you can still see the remnant of the, the Jews um, who, who uh, lived there. And so many, there's so many other stories of people who generously help those who no one wants to help at the time. In the Holocaust Museum, they, they planted a tree for each person who helped save Jews during World War II, and they counted 26,000 such people who helped save Jews during World War II. So to, um, to us, are there people no one seems to care about whom you can pray for? and ask God what he may want you to do to bless them. God loves us and has a purpose for each one of us. Agape love for myself is to seek God's highest purpose for me. Agape love for others is to seek the highest good of others. As we close this message on this Valentine's Day, let us reflect on how we can be like our Heavenly Father who is so loving, generous, and good to all. May God fill our hearts once again 
with his agape love to love those close to us and also those around us. Let's pray. Hey, Father, we thank you for this message Lord, about how we can be more like you, more like the Heavenly Father. And uh, because of your love uh, that has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, that we can experience this in our life, the love, the agape love in our, in our lives. Uh, it's all because of you, of what you have done for us on the cross. And uh, we thank you for teaching us how we can turn the other cheek. Uh, thank you for teaching us how to walk the extra mile. Thank you for teaching us how to be good and generous to all. Because you have done these things, uh, Jesus, and you're showing us how we should follow you. And Lord, so we just ask that you continue to transform us on this uh, pilgrimage, on this, uh, uh, this way to follow you. Uh, every day that we will follow you, we will um, just uh, carry our cross and, and follow you, Lord. And uh, help us, Lord, uh, on this Valentine's Day to really uh, think about your love and fill us once again with, with your great love, Lord, your agape love, and uh, so that we can love others, uh, even those who are hard to love. And we just uh, thank you, Lord, for you are working and you are uh, doing uh, this wonderful, amazing, and glorious things in our life and also in the life of others. And help us continue to look to you, Lord, for what you are doing uh, in the world. And we just thank you, Lord, for all these things we pray in the precious holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ.